It's an honor for us to be with you this morning. It's great, always, always love when I get a chance to preach about missions and talk about what God is doing in the world. And uh, congratulations to having the kids up front. Every time I see kids, uh, there's nothing more powerful than a kid's prayer. Because they don't have any other agendas than just being obedient to what God wants them to do. And so watching those kids come across... I have to tell you, you know, we begin to travel the world a little bit. And so as the flags are going by, it's been there, been there, been there. And then I see people, people who need Jesus, people who are proclaiming Jesus, people who are out there in very difficult places telling others about God and that they can, too, have eternal life. They can have access to the God that we have. We have been worshiping God, and our job is simply to fill the heavens with other worshipers. God asks us to do that. That's what we're here for. So we're very grateful. Valerie and I are honored. Valerie, stand up so they can see you. My beautiful wife of many years, 40 now. (laughs) Valerie and I have served as uh, missionaries for the last 36 years, 20 of those years in the country of El Salvador. And what Pastor mentioned is that we're passionate about helping the church, well, missionary training and helping the church be a missionary church because the church in the New Testament is a missionary church. And if we want to be a church of the New Testament, we have to be a missionary church. And it doesn't matter whether your church is in Kansas, or if it's in Missouri, or if it's in El Salvador, or it's in Zambia, or it's Nigeria, or it's in Iraq. We are called to be a missionary church. So that's our task. And and we're so excited because in Latin America, the churches begin to embrace this vision. And we have missionaries now from the country of El Salvador where we served 172 missionaries serving in about 35 different countries. We have in globally in, in Latin America now, where we also serve regionally, uh, we have about 1,300 missionaries serving in almost 100 countries. And so it's God is because we need every church. We need, the, we need Christ Point. We need the churches in El Salvador. We need the churches in Korea. We need the churches in Nigeria. All to, I say, that mandate is for us. We will do that. We will go and we will send out our sons and our daughters so that the nations of the earth can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we do it. We're grateful for that. We're grateful and we're thankful for your support. And I also want to thank you specifically. Some of the new names that are on your list are people that I've recommended to Lewis. People like the Jason who serves in Vietnam, a very closed down country right now because of the virus. But he's there planting churches. The the roadies in, in Thailand. There's no place that there's more sex trafficking on this planet than in Bangkok, Thailand. And they're in the center of it and they're proclaiming Jesus Christ who sets people free. So that's what we're about, and I appreciate you guys investing in us and, and sending us out. We continue to, to just help missionaries uh, wherever we go. Uh, so our current assignment is to be missionary trainers regionally for Latin America and the Caribbean, as well as serving as what we call a missiologist for the, the World Assemblies of God Fellowship and the Pentecostal World Fellowship. So Pastor, technically, I'm your missiologist. So you're you're getting some bang for your buck now. (laughs) But we're glad to be able to do that. So we travel the world to do that and help the churches reach those who've never heard. That's what it's about. So we're grateful for being here. Would you join me in God's word? uh, In Mark chapter 4. First, I'm going to begin reading with verse 35. 
I'd just like to talk to you about God's faithfulness in a world of uncertainty. We certainly live in a world of uncertainty, and we have a very faithful God. And the nations of the world need to hear about that faithfulness. The text says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There are also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, we come into your presence today because you are worthy of worship. You are the God that controls the wind, the waves, and every circumstance on this planet. You are the God of the universe. You spoke it into existence. And we're so grateful that we can come into your presence and we can worship you and that you are with us. You promise that you will be with us even until the end of the age and that we all eternity we will be in your presence. And so, Lord Jesus says, we've come together today and we joined online. Lord Jesus, let your spirit flow through us and out through us so that we can impact the world with your good news so that others will glorify you and lift up your name and acknowledge that you alone are God, that you are alone the one that saves. You are alone are the one that transforms. Lord Jesus, make this moment your moment as we come together to proclaim your name and proclaim your faithfulness. And we pray it in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, have you ever been in a storm? Uh, some of us are in the middle of storms right now, right? I mean, there's a plenty of storms out there. You can be cruising along. Everything just seems to be going perfect. Everything's going fine. And boom, something happens. Uh, Valerie and I were preaching a missions convention in the Dominican Republic. We got back. I went straight to class and was teaching. And I was supposed to go the very following week to, to Spain, to the World Congress. And as I'm in class, I get a notification. Everything's canceled. We're going along just fine. Everything was working great. We travel a lot. We travel over 100,000 air miles every year. And so it basically every other week we're getting on an airplane to go someplace. And then all of a sudden, no more airplanes. Stopped. That's what happens. I remember one time we were coming back from El Salvador to itinerate. And we had uh, packed up our home and put things in storage. And we went down to the airport. Valerie was trying to get back from her sister's graduation from college. And we check in in, in the airport in El Salvador. And we're sitting at the gate. And all of a sudden I begin to notice, man, it's getting pretty smoky out there. Man, it's getting really... What had happened is that the cane, they burn the sugarcane fields. And sometimes the fires get out of control. And then it gets a little smoky. And that's fairly common for that time of year. But it gets a little bit darker and a little bit darker. And all of a sudden they came over the intercom and said... The airport is totally shut down. There will be no more flights for the next three days. I'm like, are you kidding me? We went through 12 years of civil war. They never shut down the, the airport. There were bombs going off all the time. And they never shut down the airport. A little smoke. And they shut down the airport. you got to be kidding me. I was not a happy camper. <laughs> So we had to go back into town and check into a hotel. We're trying to figure out, 
In the disciples' case, they were in the boat because Jesus told them to get in the boat. I love that about that text. They were right in the center of God's will. They were right where he wanted them. And they're right there. And in their obedience, all of a sudden, a storm comes up. A storm. And these veteran fishermen, they're, they're getting frantic. And there's Jesus. He's in the boat. He's walking up and going, oh, boy, what am I going to do now? You know, Father, what am I going to do now? I got this big storm going on. I need to be preaching on the other side of the lake. What? Are you awake out there? Was that what Jesus was doing? No, 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 no. He was resting in his father's arms. He knew exactly what was going to be happening. He knew exactly where he was and what the time was. He was sleeping on a cushion. But aren't you glad that when the disciples woke him up and shook him up, he just didn't say, oh, sit down. No, he got up. And with his word, quiet, be still, that storm was over. I am so grateful. Sometimes God has us row through the storm, and we just row through the storm because he's with us, and we're going to get to the other side. But on this occasion, and on some occasions, the master of the boat just gets up and says, enough of this, it's over, it's done, this storm is over. And, the, we, and the, everything died down. In our case, we were able to call up a, another airline and they transferred us over to uh, their competitors, which was pretty amazing. And then we went down to the airport. There's th thousands of people trying to get out of the country and uh, just parted the ways. We went right up to the counter and transferred us over. We found ourselves in Houston. And we were able to purchase another ticket so that Valerie could fly directly. And she made it to her sister's graduation with one hour to spare. Because that's what God does. He's the master of the wind and the waves. But we live in a world of uncertainty. Before us who believe that uncertainty creates a, a place for us to exercise our faith. And when we exercise our faith, we sometimes we need to be reminded that he's a faithful God. And that faithfulness is what we pronounce to the world. We tell the world that we serve a faithful, faithful. Have you found him to be faithful in your life? Has God been faithful? He's been with you, has he not? He's a faithful God. I mean, all you have to do is turn on your phone. Almost every morning I turn on my phone and you know, they pop up and it's some disaster happening somewhere. You all the, all the COVID-19 stuff that's happening around the world. And, it's, and we pray against it. It's, we pray against that, the, the death and destruction that, that is causing. But we also recognize that God is, is, is redeeming elements of it. And uh, we have a lot of pastors, and particularly in Ecuador and Peru. And just recently, I was on the on a Zoom meeting in in in, in Bolivia, and uh, it's hitting them hard. Uh, we've lost a lot of pastors in Nicaragua, for example, in Honduras. You were praying, talking about Honduras. So there's places in our world that uh, the the Church of Jesus Christ is suffering greatly because of the virus. But at the same time, God is redeeming it. I can't tell you the details because we're online, but I was on a Zoom uh, training session with Latin Americans, but we had invited one of our students from a, a Muslim context. It's the heart of Islam. And because of the, of the virus, they can't have services in their international church. So the government has allowed them to go online and have services. And of course, those services are in English, but they subtitle them in, in Arabic. And as a result of that going on 24 hours a day, in the heart of Islam, Muslims are coming to Jesus. Yeah. And 
The day after I had that Zoom meeting, the day after I had that Zoom meeting, they baptized eight Muslim background believers that are now believers in Jesus Christ. In the heart of Islam. In the heart of Islam. So God, in this uncertain world that we live in, he's still at work. Our God is at work in the world. And you get to participate in that as you pray and intercede and support these missionaries that are serving around the world. But we live in a lot of uncertainty. Even things that may seem certain are uncertain. Now, when Barry and I first went to El Salvador, uh, an insurance salesman came to me and said, you know, you, you probably should have some life insurance. You have young children and you have another one coming on the way. You probably should. And I said, well, you know, we're missionaries and we're going to be going into some really tough places. Are you sure they'll, they'll, they'll insure us there? He said, oh, no problem, of course, salesman. Uh, of course, no problem. We get to El Salvador, I get a letter from the insurance company that says, oh, you're in a war zone. We can't insure you there. So you can't, even insurance is not sure. <laughs> you, you may have read about my cousin Cindy. There's a couple books out related to her. But she grew up in the church, married a young man from the church. They had a wonderful marriage, two small children. And then the Lord chose to take her husband. So she was a widow with two small boys. And then this really handsome guy began to show up the Little League games. And he, he was there for them. When they needed it, he would bring her roses. And then he would come to church. He'd raise his hands. He'd sing the songs. It, was, it looked like it was perfect. It was a sure thing. So they got married. But then things began to change. He began to abuse not only Cindy, but her children. So one day he said, well, we need to work on our marriage. So let's go down to the lake. They went down the lake, and he had a small dinghy raft. He said, let's go out on the lake. There's people here that can watch the boys. Let's go out on the lake. It'll be romantic. A few minutes later, he came back with her body. There'd been an accident. She drowned. But when the police began to investigate, things didn't sit right with them. And so they continued to investigate. And what they discovered was is that he had become aware that Cindy had received a financial, substantial financial return on her first husband's life insurance policy. He pursued her, he married her, and he murdered her because he was after her money. And the reason he's in prison today is because it was the third time that he'd done it. But it looked like a sure thing. And the wind comes against the boat. And the wind hits the boat. The waves crash against the boat. And we live in this world that everything seems secure. But it's not. Because there's no security in this life. The only thing that is sure is the promises of our God. That's the only thing that is sure. Sometimes even, even we Christians begin to question in the midst of those crises, in the midst of those storms, begin to crash. But that creates the possibility of faith. You see, if Jesus were walking up and down the aisles physically today, we wouldn't need faith to believe in him. Because we could touch him. We could hug him. But because he's only walking up in the spirit, and I can guarantee you that he's walking up and down these aisles. Because he's in the spirit, you have to believe. You have to have faith that he's here. Uh, we just celebrated my, one of my grandson's birthdays yesterday, and we had a piñata. Have you ever, ever heard of a piñata? It's kind of a crazy thing. You put a bunch of stuff into a macrame thing, and then you, hand, you put a blindfold on the kids, and you spin them around ten times, and you give them a baseball bat, and you say, swing! <laughs> Believe me, it can hurt sometimes. So we turned to, see, it, it's like that. You know, if, if Lewis were to put a, a blindfold over my eyes, 
and spin me around 10 times. And then he'd say to me, Brother Rance, have a seat. Where would he have me sit? Do you trust him? Ah, isn't that what it is? Can you trust the voice? Of course you could. It's Lewis. You can trust him. But that's what faith is. It's hearing God's voice and being obedient to that voice and knowing that no matter what the circumstances look like around us, no matter how high the waves are, no matter how strong the waves are, he's in the boat with us and he will get us to the other side. We can trust him. He'll get us there because he's the master of the wind and the waves. But the people that are surrounding us, they have fears. And they, they, some of them want to put their trust in the boat itself. They think, if I can just get a really good boat, I can get to the other side by myself. Just my lands, my property, my wealth. If I can just accumulate enough, that'll be giving me the security that I need. Others put their faith in their own ability to row. They say, if I just get enough degrees, if I, if I just work really hard, if I work really hard, I can get to the other side by myself. Others follow misleading instructions. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Islam, Hinduism. They think it'll take them to the other side, but it takes them nowhere. It's a lie. It's deceit. And then there's a mass of humanity today. They're in the boat. The waves are crashing against the boat. And all they want to do is they want to forget. They just want to escape. So they escape into gaming. They escape into drugs. They escape into alcohol. And they're just still there in the middle of the... And they have no hope. But we have a better answer. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. If they will just turn over their lives to Jesus, he will step up in the boat and he will get them to the other side. We can trust him. We can trust him. He's worthy of our trust. We have the answer. That's why we have missions conventions. Because we have the answer. His name is Jesus. And if we just place our trust in him, But see, 40% of the population of our world, 40% of the peoples of our world have never heard the name of Jesus. And they will never have access to the name of Jesus unless the church of Jesus Christ says, we will send our sons and our daughters. We will send our ambassadors. We will send them and we'll send them in the power of the Spirit so that they can represent Christ in that area. And they can proclaim the good news of Christ that transform lives. That's why we do it. And sometimes we, we need to be reminded that he's faithful. That's why in the biblical text, it constantly tells us stories of God's faithfulness. Has he, as I mentioned before, has he been faithful in your life? He's been faithful in my life. I could, Lewis could tell you, I got lots of stories. We could be here until midnight tonight. Nobody wants to be here till midnight tonight. I don't understand that. No, I've got stories. Just two today. Two. I was uh, driving up to the University of El Salvador to teach my class that night. And as I got out of the car, four armed gunmen surrounded me. One pointed his gun, I put his gun on my forehead and said, Give me your car, I'm going to kill you. Now we have some really bizarre traffic there in El Salvador. And I kind of zone out. And I don't know really what I was thinking in that moment. But when he put the gun on my forehead and said to me, my response was, And what do you want my car for? This he did not like. So he switched his gun from his right hand to his left hand, and he hit me as hard as he could right in the chest right here. 
And, I, you know, I don't know whether it was adrenaline or Jesus, but I didn't feel it at all. Uh, but later, I, he hit me so hard that his ring put a hole in my shirt. But when he hit me, a young man walking down the street saw it, freaked out, took off running. So the guy that hit me ran after him. That left me to, to talk to the other, actually it was three armed gunmen, to, to the other two guys. And so I'm, I'm talking to the other guys and I'm frantically trying to get my car key off my house keys, my office keys. You know, I, I figured out later I, there's a thing that you can put and you can just have your car key and I get it off quick. But that, that, I'm, I'm trying to get my key off, trying to get, and, and I'm talking to the other guys and I'm going like, you know, you, know, you really shouldn't steal this car. This car doesn't belong to me. This car belongs to me. And, and actually in my head I'm thinking about the young people that purchased the car for those at Speed Alive. I'm thinking, this, this car doesn't belong to me. Uh, you really shouldn't steal this car. You know, I, I don't recommend stealing from God. It's not a good idea. And so I talked to him about Jesus. And by that time now the other guy has come back and he's furious. His eyes are just coming out of his forehead. And I've got my key free. And, and he says, give me the key now or I'm going to kill you right now. And I, and I was just about to drop the key in his open hand when the other two guys start to say, oh no, let him go. Déjalo, déjalo, ahí vienen los militares, ahí vienen los militares. Vámonos de aquí ya, déjalo, déjalo, déjalo. Leave him, leave him, leave him. Here comes the military, here comes the military. And I grab my key back and I said, yeah, leave me go. There was a moment of indecision. But the man stuck his gun back in his belt and they ran off around the corner. So I went up the street looking for those military to tell them they went that way. But this is a downtown, heavily trafficked street. And at that moment, there was no one on the street. It was absolutely empty. So I went into the university. And a bunch of students and professors were all waiting at the door on the other side. And they said, Brother Rance, were those men trying to steal your car? I said, yeah. They said, we thought so. I said, well, why didn't you come out and help me? <laughs> And they said, oh, well, well, Brother Rance, we prayed. And at the moment, it didn't, I like, what? But then I got to thinking, you know what? They did exactly what they should do. Because he's the master of the wind and the waves. <laughs> two years later, two years later, I get my morning newspaper. And I see the three guys that had tried to steal my car on the front page of the newspaper. And I said, Valerie, the three, those are the guys. And the headline said, Captura Banda de los Benedictos. They captured the Benedictine gang. I opened it up. They'd stolen, carjacked thousands of vehicles, injured more than 200, and had killed between 50 and 80 people in circumstances just like I'd been in. But you see, Jesus is in control of my life. Not armed gunmen, not pandemics, not anything else. Jesus is the Lord of my life, and he controls my destiny. We can trust him. Did you know you can trust him even for the little things in your life? Even the insignificant details? He doesn't wait for the big items. He always is there. He's in the boat with you if you've invited him in. Uh, several years ago when our children were small, ages about 12, 10, and 8, I think they were, uh, every two years when we were missionaries in Central America, we would have a retreat. We were supposed to have the retreat this year. We're uncertain whether or not we're going to be able to have our retreat this year. We're hoping to have it. But that year, they gave us a year in advance warning that we were going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for our retreat. Normally, we have it in Central America, but that year, they were remodeling a hotel in Fort Lauderdale, and it was going to be way cheaper. So everybody was going to go to Fort Lauderdale for this you know, cheap uh, retreat. 
So we tell our kids in a year in advance, kids, guess what? Next year at Thanksgiving, we're going to go to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for the missionary retreat. Have any idea what my kids said to me? They heard Florida. They immediately went, oh, dad, we're going to go to Disney World, right, dad? We're going to go to Disney I'm going, no, 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 no. That's very expensive. We cannot go. Besides, that's Fort Lauderdale. We're going down. I mean, that's up in Orlando. We're in Fort Lauderdale. That's a long ways away. No, 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 no. Cannot do that. No, 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 no. How many parents with kids in the house? Yeah? Well, every single night when we're going to have prayers, like, oh, Dad, oh, Dad, please, we got to be, it's Florida, we got to go to Disney World, Dad, please, Dad, we got to go to Disney World. And I'm like, no, no. And finally, I had it. I let it out. I said, fine. If you kids want to go to Disney World, you pray about it. If God gives us the money to go to Disney World, we'll go to Disney World. But if God doesn't give us the money, we're not going. Oh, it was perfect. I was off the hook. It was no longer with dad. It was with God. And boy, did they take me serious. They started praying. Oh, Jesus, please send us the money to go to Disney World. And my eight-year-old, she hates that I tell this on her. But she would, you know, pray for grandpa and grandma and for the whole wide world. And then she'd close the prayer with, and Jesus, please give us the money to go to Disney World. Amen. She did that every night for a calendar year without fail. Two weeks before we're supposed to go on this retreat, I am thinking to myself, what have I done? My kids think that God is going to give them a miracle so that they can go to Disney World. How absurd is that? I'm sitting in my office and about ready to grab the phone to call our travel agent to just limit it to the retreat when Valerie calls me from home. And she's just received a phone call from Wichita, Kansas. So here we're in great state. She calls, she calls me from Wichita, Kansas. Now at that time it was $2 a minute, so we rarely got phone calls from the United States. But our friend, who had been on a, a short-term missions trip, a prayer retreat with us, uh, called, he had three kids that were the same ages as ours, and we'd struck up a friendship. And he was calling, he was a contractor. He put roofs, like, you know, a lot of hail damage around here. So his job was to put roofs. He had a whole contracting business. And, uh, but his business was really going south and it was going, it was deep in the hole and he was going to have to file for bankruptcy. And as, one day as he's writing out the checks for his business, the Lord speaks to him. Do you know we have a God that still speaks? The Lord speaks and says, you need to write out a check to the Rances so that their kids can go to Disney World. And he's going, what? No, 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 no. And he starts thinking about it because see, he had planned to take his kids for Christmas vacation to Disney World. That was going to be their family vacation. He says, but Lord, if I give them the money to go to Disney World, then we won't be able to go. So he didn't write out the check. He went home that night. And he got his three kids the same age as mine. Got them together and he went one by one and said, would you be willing to give up your trip to Disney World so the Rances kids could go? And every one of his kids said, yes, we want the Rance's kids to go. That's a miracle. So he's calling us. He's not calling us to tell us. So the next day he goes down to the office, he writes out the check. He's calling us not to tell us that he wrote us the check. 
He's calling us to tell us in the two weeks after he'd written the check. Of course, we hadn't gotten the check. It takes a while for things to get to us. He, he wasn't calling. He, he said, in the two weeks since I wrote the check, my business has flourished. I, there, I have so much business. I'm going to have to hire more people. I'm not going to have to file for bankruptcy. God has delivered me. He has provided. And, and I just wanted to call you and tell you that we're going to be able to take my family to Disney World, too. Now, did we need to go to Disney World? No, we did not. But can you imagine that evening when Valerie and I were able to go into their room and we could tell them, God has heard your prayer. And we spent this amazing time in a place called Disney World with my kids and my, my parents. And it was just an amazing time. And it was amazing not because of Mickey Mouse. It was amazing because we knew that God had put us there. Because he's the God. Don't you think that if he can answer my children's prayer to go to a place like Disney World, he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly how high the waves are. He knows exactly how strong the wind is blowing. He knows exactly what's taking place in your life. And he wants you to remind, be reminded that he is in the boat with you and if he's in the boat you will get to the other side trust him trust him lean on him lean on him you can trust him don't leave this place and those of you at home don't leave that room without believing that he's in the boat with you he will get you to the other side but before I close today there are people in the boat of life that are trying to get to the other side without Jesus. Some of them are trying to get there through Islam. You're not going to get to the other side through the Islam. You're not going to get to the other side through Hinduism. You're not going to get to the other side through Buddhism. You're not going to get to the other side through secularism. You're not going to get to the other side. You will not get to eternal life but through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Only through Jesus. But you can trust Him. So... Jesus wants to get in the boat of life with you. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. He doesn't force his way into your life. He stands at the door and knocks and he waits for that invitation. But if you will invite him into the boat of your life, he will assure you that you'll get to the other side. Don't leave this place without placing him on the throne of your life. True security, true humanity can only be found at the foot of the cross. And what Jesus Christ has done to Calvary, if he, and if you surrender your life to him, his resurrection power will raise you from the grave just as he came out of the grave. You can trust him. So my first call is to those of you that don't know him. And if you're watching online, all you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your life and be the Lord of your life. And then find a Bible preaching church and become a part of that community so you can grow in who Jesus is. Because we baptize, but then we teach. We make disciples, right? But you know what? We've cited both Matthew 28 and Acts 1.8. Matthew 28 is a command. Go and make disciples. It's actually, the command is make disciples. Because we're supposed to be going. Our Greek expert will tell us it's three parallel participles. In your going, be baptizing and be teaching. Make disciples. So that's what we're about. But I also believe that there's another boat. And it's a, Jesus is already in that boat. And he's calling out to the church. And he's saying to the church, church, 
Get in the boat with me. We've got to go to the Uzbeks. They've never heard the gospel. Come on, church. We've got to go to India. There's all kinds of people groups in the north of India. They've never heard my name. Come on, church. Get in the boat with me. If you want to be in the boat with Jesus, you've got to go. Because our God is a God that desires to be worshipped by every person and every people group on this planet. And he desires us to participate in it. He gets, uh, gives us the opportunity to participate in reaching the world for Jesus. Every single one of us can participate. We have to do it in faith. Knowing that God has spoken to us. So later when pastor comes and talks about faith promises and pledges, you have to hear his voice. It doesn't matter how much you give. It matters that you hear his voice and you give what he asks you to give. That's what he asks us to do, to be obedient. Just like us missionaries. We don't, we don't, we're not any special people. We're just people that said yes to his call. He called us. We said yes. And as a result, he gets to flow through us. And as he gets to flow through you. I love it that the kids were up here. My favorite, Lawrence, uh, oh man, I just I lost my name here. Lewis told, has heard this story before, but my favorite pledge is one for 25 cents. So what, 25 cents? I have to confess, I didn't, wasn't very happy when I got it on my statement. At that time, it was 35 cents for a stamp to send the receipt, and it was 25 cents a month. And I'm like, what? We'd gone to a church. There was a little eight-year-old boy that came out. He was one of those hyperactive kids like me, and he went, can I help? Can I help? Can I help? Okay, take this. Can I help? Can I, can I put up the... Yeah, I only had like a five-minute spot, but a few months later, we get this statement with 25 cents from that church, and I said, what is going on here? Call the pastor, because I was too mad. Call the pastor. She calls the pastor. pastor says, well, we have this policy in our church that if anybody designates on an envelope an offering to a specific person, we make sure it gets to that person. You remember the eight-year-old boy? He pledged 25 cents to you a month, and so we're committed to getting that 25 cents to you each month. Oh, to have more 25-cent pledges. You see, that young man will always be, it's not the amount, it's the obedience. And if you can learn to be obedient in giving faith promises to missions, and you can participate in challenging and changing our world through what you pray and how you pray, Valerie and I will be passing out these prayer cards. These are our lifeline. Missionaries, we don't do this for a promotion. We don't do this to raise money. We do this because we can't do missions without your prayers. The Bible clearly indicates that we partner together with God through prayer. And Paul says it, I can't do anything. As you help me by your prayers, I'll be able to go forward. Prayer is not a vain thing. Prayer is powerful. So please remember us all in your prayers. So will you get in the boat with Jesus? Will you get in the boat with Jesus? Will you pray? Will you give? And everyone here, I'm looking at some young people out there. You don't have to have a steady income to give. You just have to say, Jesus, what you want me to give? And you will, he will set it up for you. You'll be surprised. You think my kids were surprised when they got to go to Disney World? A little bit. Because he provides. We missionaries need to hear that every once in a while, right? He provides. What is God asking you to do? Participate in any way that you can. Whether it's carrying the flags, helping with this convention, I congratulate those that did. Wearing an outfit. This is Guayavera from Latin America. What is God asking you to do? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness.
We thank you that you're faithful in the big things and the little things. We're grateful that we can be with you in the boat. And I just pray right now, Lord, those that are watching online and those that are in this room, that if they do not have you as Savior, that this is the day that they will ask and invite you to become the Lord of their lives and that they'll turn over the reins of their lives to you. But I would also ask that the church really be continue their journey toward being that missional church that you desire them to be. That they would be fully engaged. That every single member of Christ Point would be engaged in some way in global mission. That they would see that they're part of something bigger than themselves. Something way bigger than we could ever think or imagine. That you are at work in the world today. And that we get to participate in that work. So Lord Jesus, right now, speak. Speak to the hearts that are here today. Help them to hear your voice clearly. We'll give you the honor. We'll give you the praise because you are faithful to your promises. You said, and I will fill you with my spirit and you will be my witnesses. It's a promise. You promised it and you are faithful to your promises. So we stand on that today. Lord Jesus, have your way. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.